I am in support of anything that helps people. Statistically speaking, it's completely and utterly ineffective for most people. It's not even what I believe, it's what the data shows. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your day is off to an amazing start. Today, we are chatting about the alcohol-free lifestyle. If you have been thinking about giving up alcohol, or you're having some hesitations around it, this episode is for you. I am interviewing James Swanwick. He's an Australian-American investor, sleep expert, stop drinking expert, and former sports center anchor on ESPN. He's the founder of Swanwick Sleep, which produces blue light blocking glasses, otherwise known as Swannies. And he is the founder of Alcohol-Free Lifestyle, which has helped more than 100,000 high achievers reduce or stop alcohol. So today's conversation is really interesting. James shares his story of how he was just a social drinker and he decided one day that he was going to give it up. And so he went on this journey of going alcohol free and he basically from there really transformed his life. You know, I find that so many of us have a very similar story where we transform a part of our health, our nutrition, our body, and then we start to go down this rabbit hole of wanting to discover more and learn more and just really dive deeper into health and wellness and what well-being really means to us. And so that's really what happened here with James. And he started the alcohol-free lifestyle and he's helped so many people quit drinking. So today on the podcast, we're talking about some of the biggest mistakes people try when they quit drinking. We talk about the health detriments of alcohol. We also talk about the shocking statistic of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is very interesting. How to deal how to deal with peer pressure if you are wanting to give up on alcohol. Should you actually be cutting out friends and family who drink while you are trying to cut it out? Some really interesting insights. And then we switch gears and talk about sleep. James shares some of his top tips for getting the best night's sleep. We talk about the amount of hours of sleep that we really need. And obviously we talk about the impact that alcohol has on our sleep. So it's a really juicy episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's dive in. You guys know that I absolutely love medicinal mushrooms. And here is a few reasons why. Medicinal mushrooms use their natural intelligence to counteract the physical, biological, and chemical effects of stress in the body. So it helps us humans stay in better health. Edible mushrooms are also highly nutritious superfoods for human beings and for animals. They are packed with fiber, vitamins, and minerals. And mushrooms lovingly help plants grow. We need more plants growing if we want to reduce the carbon hovering over our planet. Also, 
They're nature's recyclers. They decompose dead plants and animals so that we aren't living on a planet covered in a mile-high pile of dead leaves. They're also really good at removing pollutants from the ground by consuming what they grow on. You guys know I love my medicinal mushrooms, and I feel like such a soul connection to when I take them, and that's probably because they are really amazing at connecting us to nature and just a higher intelligence. I use the mushrooms from aversiowellness.com. Check out all of their amazing mushroom products. Currently, my favorites and my go-tos is the Awaken Blend, Balance, as well as Chill, which is the reishi mushroom that I take in the evening time before bed. Save 15% off site-wide with the coupon code WELLNESSWITCH at aversiowellness.com. Hi, James. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Samantha. My pleasure. I'm excited to dive into our alcohol-free living today and what that all entails. And before we do that, I would love it if you can share with our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm Australian-American. I grew up in Brisbane, Australia, and I moved to the US uh, in the early 2000s. And I was a socially acceptable drinker in the sense that I would have a couple of glasses of wine each night, maybe a beer or two. On the weekends, I might drink some more on a Friday or Saturday night, but I wasn't the type of person that was getting arrested or getting DUIs or waking up in a gutter. I was just a normal, socially acceptable drinker. And then I got into my mid-30s and I'd put on some weight and I wasn't sleeping well and I was irritable. And I identified that my drinking habits were playing a huge part in that. And then I decided to take a 30-day break I lost 13 pounds, my skin got better, I, people started complimenting me on how good I looked, I was productive, I landed my dream job, and I thought, wow, there's something to this alcohol-free lifestyle, I'm going to double down on this, and I just kept going. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since 2010, and I now wow. coach mostly high achievers, executives and business owners, men and women, parents, um, to get lifelong power over alcohol, whether that means, you know, stopping completely or whether it just means moderation. And um, yeah, and then that turned into a sleep company. I help people sleep better. And I'm very much into health and health and wellness as a result of just changing one habit, which was removing alcohol from my life. That's amazing. That's such a great story. I love that. I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners that are kind of in the same boat. They're like, well, I'm just a social drinker. Like what's, what's the big deal with that? right? Yeah. A lot of people say that it's a common thought or common statements. Um, but I think most people would be shocked to learn just how compromising a seemingly innocent glass of alcohol each night is to the human body and to our productivity and to our mindset. Right. Um, especially most people are drinking in the afternoon or the evening. I, I would think that most people are not choosing to drink alcohol in the morning time. But in actual fact, you'd be better off having a wine or a beer for breakfast <laughs> right. than you would at nighttime because at least then you'd have all day for the toxins to be removed from your system so you could actually sleep the way that nature intended you to sleep. Because if you have a glass of alcohol close to bedtime, it really does compromise your sleep quality, which then causes all kinds of irritation and fogginess and 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 anger issues um the next day so for sure yeah it's i, I know everyone likes to 
thinks that they're relaxing at the end of the day with, with a nice glass of wine, but that's not relaxation. That's just pouring gasoline on a, on a fire that's, that's compromising your life. Totally. And especially at nighttime, it's going to impair you from getting into deep sleep or REM sleep. So let's chat about overall, like on top of it impacting sleep, health-wise, you mentioned a few things there, but like, let's dive a little bit deeper here. How is it impacting us? Yeah. So alcohol has been linked to uh, diabetes, uh, cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, um, all kinds of um, mental health challenges. And by the way, I'm not talking about people who are alcoholics. I'm talking about socially acceptable drinkers, probably your listeners or your viewers. Right. Right. Um, let's just look at one seemingly innocent glass of alcohol. Okay. You have mm -hmm. that, let's say you have that at seven or eight o'clock at night. And sorry, wait, dinner. before you go on, do you mean any type of alcohol? So that there's some alcohol is, is worse than others. Let me ask you this, Samantha. What do you think is the worst alcohol you can drink in terms of uh, toxins? Oh, I'm probably some something with a lot amount of sugar in it is what I would think. Would you be surprised to learn that the that the two equally bad top of the list is red wine and beer? Mm. You know what? And I was going to say red wine. I was. And I'm like, I should have just gone with the initial one. But in my head, I'm thinking, no, maybe antioxidants are going to outweigh like the sugar. Yeah. No, red wine and beer are the worst because they have the most toxins in it. And they've done studies that show that toxins can stay in our body for up to seven days. In fact, we could take a strand of your hair, Samantha. Probably wouldn't be able to take a strand of my hair because it's sadly <laughs> lacking. <not. laughs> but um, we take a strand of your hair and we put it under a, let's just say you have a glass of wine right now. Okay? okay. Then we take a strand of your hair and seven days later, we come back and we stick that strand of hair in a microscope, under a microscope. We'd be able to tell that you had that glass of wine seven days earlier because oh the God. toxins stay in your body for that long. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's um, really fascinating. And yet society worships alcohol. I mean, it's like, oh, let's have a nice bottle of red. Let's have a nice relaxing bottle of white. Let's catch up with the ladies over brunch. We'll have some champagne. We like to associate celebration with champagne and wine with romance and beer with the lads and, right. and so forth. And, you know, this has been just perpetuated over the years is just something normal. And what we do, you see all these Super Bowl commercials, glorifying beer and, and all these kind of things. Thankfully, people are waking up to this. The reality is that all alcohol is, in my view, is attractively packaged poison. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, attractively packaged poison. 100%. Really great marketing. And in fact, the term alcohol, if you actually if you actually research where the word alcohol comes from, it comes from an Arabic term, which is al-kahul. And al-kahul literally means body-eating spirit. <laughs> That's wild. So we take this body-eating spirit and we put it in this beautiful bottle, this beautiful packaging and this lovely glass container and we refrigerate it or we warm it, whatever, you know, whatever the alcohol is, and then we mm -hmm. repackage it and we say, here you go, have this attractively packaged poison. And not only that, desire it, want it, 
crave it. And it's causing all kinds of health, both mental and physical issues. For sure. So I'm sure there's some listeners that are thinking, well, what about like the brand new organic keto wines that are available? Like it can't be that bad for me. Look, is one drink going to kill you? No. Right. Is one drink a night over a lifetime going to compromise your quality of life? Yes. For sure. It just, there's just, there's too much science about it now. There's too many studies yep. and I'm not, you know, I'm just the messenger. I didn't make the rules. Whoever mm-hmm. you believe made the rules, that person made the rules. I'm just, you know, I mean, you know, if people here are drinking, they go, hmm, do I drink too much? You know, you, you know, know. That you probably <laughs> you know do, the answer. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know the answer. I have a yep. podcast in, in Apple podcast and on Spotify called alcohol free lifestyle. And I can't tell you how many people leave a review or, or write in to me saying, wow, I thought that I didn't have an alcohol problem. Now I realize that I do. For or sure. I long knew that I had a problem, but I was just, I'll deal with that later. I'll, I'll, right. I'll deal with that another time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I remember actually many years ago, I took a breast cancer care course and the teacher shared that women who drink two glasses of red wine a night increase their breast cancer risk by 250%. And that stat stuck with me for over like 15 years now. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's um it's that's a good wake up scary. call, isn't it? It is, absolutely. So, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to quit drinking? Willpower and motivation. Uh they think that that's enough. And right. it often isn't. Most of the time it isn't. Um, there are five five components to to. I mean, look, I've coached 20,000 people now on how to successfully stop drinking and love mm-hmm. being quit from drinking. Yeah. Or, and also I should say, um, many tens of thousands of people who've now got a better relationship with alcohol. So they've severely reduced. Because I'm not... I'm not here to try and encourage everyone to quit entirely, although it'd be great if you did. There's right. an there's an invitation there to you to do that, but it's I'm not requesting it. For sure. Um, but if you could have a healthier relationship with alcohol, then that's obviously going to set you in a new, healthier, um, new, healthier direction. For sure. Remind me what the question was, Samantha. I was just about <laughs> to answer it. The biggest mistake people make. Oh yeah. When they biggest quit. mistake, yeah, is trying to do it on your own. Because then you're just trying to use willpower and all the studies show that willpower is completely ineffective. Right. Another big mistake is people think that they'll stop drinking Monday through Friday and they'll only drink on the weekends or they say to themselves, I'll only drink on special occasions. Right. Well, there's two things wrong with that. One, in my view, in order to get total power over alcohol, you should be taking at least a 90-day break from alcohol if you can. 30 days is okay. They have these dry Januaries and sober Octobers, dry July. That's fine. But most of the time, people are celebrating with a drink on day 30. So I'm thinking, what was the point of that? I mean, yeah, you got a glimpse of what it feels like to be alcohol-free, but you were just depriving yourself of something. You know, know, what's the point of feeling like you're in a prison for 30 days? Because all prisoners want to break out of prison. So my invitation then is to stop thinking about 30 days as being, oh, wow, I did 30 days once. That's amazing. And then you just go back to the same level of drinking. Instead, I would encourage people to do at least 90 consecutive days alcohol-free because then that gives you time to really 
create it as a habit and to really see the life-changing transformation that will take place in your life. Um, and then the other thing is, um, you know, special occasions. How is drinking poison a special occasion? Right. Right? In my view, a special the special occasion is continued amazing health throughout the course of your life. And that yes. means being mostly alcohol-free or completely alcohol-free. That's the special occasion. Every minute of every day is your special occasion. And if right. you can practice amazing health by drinking lots of water, exercising, get it, getting sunlight, being in gratitude, not choosing poor dietary, not making poor dietary choices, not drinking alcohol, that's the special occasion. So it's a real rewiring of the mindset. Um, the five pillars that really work, I mean, I have a, I have a, a a community, a program called Project 90, where we help people to quit drinking for 90 days. And the reason why it works, it has a 92% success rate of people getting to 90 consecutive Amazing. days alcohol-free, is because of coaching, accountability, community, fun, and having skin in the game. They're mm -hmm. the five pillars that make it work. So having a mentor or coach, being in a group of other people who are also stopping drinking, you know, because then you've got that camaraderie and they keep of you course. on track. Yep. Um, the community is fun and the accountability is built in the fun part of it, because most people associate stopping drinking with pain and ah, that's awful. But I like to have, I like to make it fun because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think anyone would ever accuse me of being dull. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. so, so let's be fun. And then skin in the game, quite frankly, is investing either your money into a coach or a program or investing your time and energy into this. Um, right. It doesn't necessarily have to be into a paid program. You can do it yourself, but investing, I wouldn't encourage it, you doing it by yourself, but investing time into creating your own community or accountability and, and, and um, you know, having that emotional and possibly financial skin in the game to really sure. see it through. Yeah, 100%. I love that. The power of community. I think we often forget how impactful that is. So I right. think that that's really great. So what about someone who is like, well, I'll just go to AA. So AA has a reported 7% success rate. Oh my God. That's insane. So, and I mean, look, candidly, Samantha, I run Facebook ads for my um, Stop Drinking pro programming community, um, yep. Project 90. It helps executives, entrepreneurs, investors, parents to stop drinking. And I charge for my services, right? Like, I, I, like any coach, like any program, there's a, there's a payment involved for that. Yep. Um, and I, the biggest group of people who abuse me on on those ads are people who go to AA. AA, yeah. They're the most fiercest defenders of it, yet it's the most ineffective method that I know on the market other than willpower and motivation. Now, right. has AA helped millions of people over many years? Yes, it has. And if AA works for you, then do AA and double down and don't leave. And that's great. I'm, right. I am all for anything that works. However, for 93 people, 93 out of 100 people who attempt AA, it will, it will not work. You'll, you'll have to surrender to a higher power. You'll have to do a 12-step system. It's super, super religious. And if you're not you know, that religious, then you might find that a little bit confronting. Mm -hmm. You have to admit that you're an alcoholic and chances are you're not an alcoholic. You just mm -hmm. drink too much. This term alcoholic gets branded about and thrown about just willy-nilly, just so loosely. Chances are most of your listeners who are listening now 
or watching now are not alcoholics. They just don't have a very healthy relationship with alcohol at the moment. And that can be changed with some simple coaching, some accountability, getting in a fun group. You don't need to drive to a dark, depressing AA meeting where you don't relate to a lot of the people there. And you don't have to feel compelled to say, I'm an alcoholic. And if you don't say that, feel like you're cheating the system somehow or you're not being honest with yourself. So again, I, like this is literally, I say this and cue haters because AA people will come out and, and accuse me of being hostile towards AA. I'm not hostile towards AA. I am in support of anything that helps people. Statistically speaking, it's completely and utterly ineffective for most people. People, right. So I would just, my, you know, it's, it's not even what I believe. It's what the data shows. So, right. Um, That's my view on AA. All right, ladies, a really quick interruption to share with you a new program that I will be launching this fall. This new program will be focused primarily on healing your metabolism and optimizing your thyroid by helping you to reconnect back to ancestral eating, working on nervous system regulation, and learning pro-metabolic tools to help you balance your hormones. So if you are ready to claim your self-confidence around hormone function, let go of BS dieting culture, and truly give your body permission to reach a healthy weight and let go of restrictions and step into what it truly means to be nourished and have vitality and have energy and not be overwhelmed, frustrated, and confused about what diet to follow, what foods to eat, what is good for me, what's bad for me, what supplements do I take, how much exercise do I need, what weight loss program do I need to go on. Honestly, it is exhausting. And I think it's really time for us to reclaim this and feel truly confident around what it means to nourish our body. I don't even have a name for this program yet. I am just letting you in on behind the scenes of what I'm currently up to. And it has been months and months of work behind the scenes. And I am so excited to finally release this later in the fall. If you feel called to join me on this journey, join our wait list. Head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash waitlist, and we'll be sending you all the details in the next few months. Can't wait to see you inside this program. There are two things you need to do in order to stay adequately hydrated, and that is number one, not drink too much water, and number two, consume enough sodium. Now, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but sodium is actually at the core of hydration. Sodium is an electrolyte. It's a mineral that carries electrical charges, in other words, nerve impulses in your body, and it regulates fluid balance. When we don't consume enough sodium, we may experience headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, and insomnia. So I absolutely love Element Electrolytes. They contain sodium, potassium, and magnesium in a perfect therapeutic dose. I love all their flavors. There's citrus salt, watermelon salt, chocolate salt, grapefruit salt, raspberry, so many amazing flavors. And let me tell you, it is definitely salty. So if you're looking to up the ante on hydration, check out Element Electrolytes. Head on over to drinkelement.com forward slash wellness switch. And with any purchase, you will receive a free sample pack to test out all of their amazing flavors. That link is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash wellness switch. And again, that will give you a free sample pack to try out all their amazing flavors with any purchase. 
So you had this post on Instagram that said the dirty little secret AA does not want you to know about. What is that? Yeah, it's that. It's that there's only a 7% success Bench. rate. Okay. So yeah. Easy. I mean, if, if you just Google AA actual success rate, you'll see, um, you'll see some studies there that actually um, reveal that 7% number. Um, there's some, some articles there. Um, you know, it's called the, the, the name of this article is written in the, in the, in the Atlantic. It's called The Surprising Failures of 12 Steps. Hmm. Peer-reviewed studies peg the success rate of AA somewhere between 5 and 10%. So, um, you know, one, one in every 15 people it works for, 14 out of 15, it doesn't. I'm, right. I mean, if you were going to the horse races, bet on the Kentucky Derby, I mean, would you really put all of your money on a, on a you know, something that you've got a 7% success rate in or would you for rather sure. bet on something that gives you a 92% success rate? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious your thoughts then. Like I know with the 12-step, I believe step 12 is to be of service. And apparently, you know, just from things that I've read, you know, you can do all 11 steps, but if you don't know how to implement number 12, there's a likelihood that you're going to relapse. I'm curious your thoughts on that and where you like, and I'm sure you've seen it maybe in your community where people are just compelled to want to share that with others in their life and maybe be of service to others. Let's have a chat around that and your thoughts around that. Well, I don't invite any of my clients to go out and get on their high horse and be all pompous and, and start <laughs> right. preaching to people that AA or, or sorry, that being alcohol free is the way to go. I just say, let your actions do the talking, which is be happy, politely decline uh, invitations to drink alcohol, just be yeah. friendly and nice. And if someone asks you about not drinking, then share, but don't try to convince or persuade them. Mm -hmm. to not drink. Just yep. shut up, quite frankly, <laughs> right? If someone asks, then share your experience, but For never sure. say, oh, you should quit drinking too. You should yep. do it. Should, 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 should is the worst word. So a lot of times these, a lot of times people go to something like AA and then afterwards they're like, oh my God, my life's transformed. And then they start trying to point out to other people where their life could, could do with some polishing or some improvements. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they mean well, for sure. but it doesn't, but it doesn't, the reaction or the response is not always welcome, is it? So my, to answer your question, my view is you will do your best inspiration and your best work at persuading people to have a healthier relationship with alcohol by not trying to persuade them to have a healthier relationship with alcohol. <laughs> right. Just be happy and yep. healthy and smiley and if people ask you about why you're not drinking just share with them confidently yeah yeah don't try to persuade them that's it i can totally relate to that just being a health coach you know for over 15 years especially when i first graduated from school being on my high horse like everybody has to eat this way and you have to you know ditch these toxins you got to live this lifestyle like just being on my high horse and then especially with my family you know, you're so close to your family and just like seeing what they're eating and just like constantly being on them. And then finally just being like, I'm just going to shut up. Like, unless someone asks me for my input, I'll share it. But otherwise I just need to like be it. Right. And 
it will naturally they they will naturally ask questions and inquire. And if not, that's fine too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big lesson for me to learn for sure. So you mentioned, you know, if if people ask. So this makes me think about peer pressure. You know, for those who are going to a party and they commit to, okay, I'm not having a drink. And then they go to this party and drinks are just, no, just have a drink, just have a drink. Like, what do you say to that? You know, how do you handle that situation? The the way that you respond is more important than the actual words that you say. So let's do a little example here. Imagine, Samantha, you invite George Clooney, the Hollywood actor, over to your home for some drinks with some friends. You're having a little party, yeah? And George Clooney comes in the door and he's all suave and confident and he's a very charming, he's a very nice man. And and Samantha, you say to Mr. Clooney, can I get you a drink? What would you like? Would you like um, beer or wine? And Mr. Clooney says, oh, no, thanks, Samantha, I'm good. Can I grab a soda water? I'd love a soda water or water if you got it, please. Are you, Samantha, really going to say, oh, come on, George Clooney, have a drink. What are you talking about? Just have one. You'll be fine. I would imagine no. I would imagine no. you're just going to quickly race off to the fridge and try to find soda water for Mr. Clooney without ever, without for asking sure. him why he's not drinking. <laughs> for right? sure. Yep. However, if George Clooney came to your door and you said, Mr. Clooney, can I get you a drink? Can I get you something? And George Clooney suddenly wasn't confident and charming and he was like oh oh actually have you got any soda water can i just grab some some soda water right then maybe you might say oh no i've got wine you sure you don't want a beer or wine you'll be fine now have a drink right so there's two very different energies there right totally so if someone is inviting you to have a drink or encouraging you to have a drink the two energies you can put on are the the confident energy, which is, oh, no, thanks. I'm good. Can I just grab soda water? Or you can do the not so confident and sheepish and almost embarrassed, worrying that they're going to think you're an alcoholic version, which is, ah, no, I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not drinking at the moment. Um, Can you give me a, you know, can I have a soda water? Oh, I'm doing this 30-day challenge. I'm on day 22, just eight more days to go. Oh, I'm trying really hard. Like all people care about is that you are having a good time. And that mm-hmm. you're comfortable and that they feel comfortable being in your company. Right. The moment you start cowering in the corner or retreating from social situations or apologizing for not drinking or feeling embarrassed about not drinking is the moment they're going to encourage you to drink because nobody that. wants a Debbie Downer. Right? Least of all the, the people who are, you know, who are present. Nobody wants to be around you if you're like, oh, I shouldn't drink. Like you're having no fun. So I always, when my clients join my Project 90 program, some of them instinctively think that that means that they've got to retreat from society for 90 days and hide away from home. I'm like, no, 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 no. In this 90-day experience, you're going to run towards parties and bars and restaurants where there's alcohol and you're going to get experience being alcohol-free and loving it and having fun. Mm. I love that. And you know, builds your confidence too, like that conviction that you have in yourself as well, right? So. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of the th- lot of the transformations that take place inside of those ninety days, it, it, the big one is self confidence, especially. Well, not especially, but no, notably, women um, sometimes struggle with their health or their appearance or the, or the aging process. Men as well, 
Yeah. But certainly what a lot of what the men, the, um, excuse me, a lot of what the women clients will tell us as they're graduating from their 90 days is that they say, I've got my confidence back. I've got my mm. self-confidence back. I actually look in the mirror and like who I see so much more than 90 days ago. Um, and that's because, you know, they've, a lot of times you stop drinking for 90 days, you lose 10, 20 pounds, depending on, you know, how much unwanted weight you might have. Right. Your triglycerides go back, your blood pressure drops, your resting heart rate drops, your skin improves, the toxins leave the, the skin. And so you just kind of have a natural glow to you. I always say to our, our women clients, you can throw your Neutrogena moisturizers <laughs> out the window and all this expensive <laughs> stuff. Just stop drinking in, for 90 days and drink lots of water and you'll, your skin will just look the way that nature always intended your skin to look. Totally. Yep. I, I totally agree. Um, there's nothing like nutrition, sleep, hydration, and some sunlight to help you look, you know, young and youthful and bright. So you, I want to make that transition into sleep. You said that you started giving up alcohol and from there that you impl implemented that one healthy habit and it kind of spiraled into all these other areas. And so is that how it happened? Then you started to get into sleep just from there or was your, I'm going to assume your sleep started to improve by giving up alcohol? Right. So I stopped drinking alcohol and I started spending time with um, higher energy people. I started reading books on health and nutrition. I just naturally started to, to be more educated on health in general. Mm -hmm. And one of those elements was sleep. And so I was very conscious of trying to sleep the way that nature always intended me to sleep. Um, but, you know, it was still... It was better when I stopped drinking, certainly. For um, sure. <clears throat> but then about 2015, I was out at dinner in Palm Springs, California in a hotel restaurant. And I met up with a friend of mine who was wearing a really ugly pair of orange Uvex safety goggles to dinner. And there was a table of quite attractive uh, ladies at, at an adjacent table looking at him funny. And I said to my friend, you look ridiculous. Get those things off. And you're making me look ridiculous by association. Right. And he and he laughed and he said, no, man, I'm trying to block the blue light. And I said, block the blue light? What are you talking about? And he went on to explain to me that artificial light from bedroom lights, bathroom lights, the mobile phone light, the desktop light, your laptop, your TV light, the speedometer light, the kitchen light, the, the McDonald's golden arches lights, all of that yeah. light at night is suppressing the release of our melatonin. And that shows up in compromised sleep, either trouble falling asleep or tossing and turning the night or waking up feeling tired, even if you've had seven or eight hours of sleep duration. And so I'm just vain enough that I, I wanted to get the benefits of wearing an ugly pair of Uvex safety goggles with orange lens that blocked the blue light, <laughs> right? But, um, but not looking like a meth chemist having to do so. And so that was <laughs> right. where the idea came to me. I'm going to produce a pair of stylish blue light blocking glasses. And so in 2015, I created um, a sleep company called Swanwick Sleep. Those. My name's James Swanwick. Yeah. And we produce these orange lensed blue light blocking glasses. You wear them in the last hour before you go to sleep. The orange lens blocks the artificial blue light. You can continue watching screens, brushing your teeth, reading a book with the, with the glasses on. While... Um, ensuring the uh, the natural release of your of, of your melatonin mm -hmm. um, so then ultimately when you turn the final light off remove the glasses and roll over and go to sleep 
the likelihood is that you will fall asleep quicker, you'll sleep deeper, and you'll wake up feeling much more refreshed. Amazing. Okay, so I'd love to dive into some of your top sleep tips. Obviously, number one is probably blocking out that blue light. What yes. else? Blocking blue light at night is number one. Exposing yourself to natural sunlight first thing in the morning is number two or mm -hmm. equally important as blocking blue light at night. So in my view, the biggest leverage points you can have to improve your sleep is get as much natural sunlight first thing in the morning and then block as much artificial light at night by wearing a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Um, First thing in the morning, our skin has receptors in it. And when the sunlight hits our skin, it tells our internal body clock, which is called our circadian rhythm, it's daytime. So when mm -hmm. the sunlight hits the skin, cortisol floods the body, the daytime hormones flood the body, we start to wake up, we start to become alert, we start to do all the things that we do during, a day, during the day. If you are staring into a screen at nighttime, mm -hmm. watching Netflix, reading a book, with the light on, cooking dinner with the light on, brushing your teeth with the light on, then your body and your brain mistakenly thinks that it's still daytime. And so right. the release of melatonin is suppressed. That's where you have the sleep problems. So number one, get natural sunlight first thing in the morning. Number two, block as much artificial light at night. Studies also show that those who exercise in the morning tend to sleep better um, no caffeine within eight hours of bed. So if you're going to go to sleep at 10, have your last coffee by 2 p.m., I would invite you just to have a blanket rule that you don't have any caffeine after in, in the afternoon. You only, only have it in the morning, if okay. at all. Um, certainly don't eat or drink anything within three hours of sleep. Um, definitely no alcohol. Like I said, you're better off having a glass of red wine with your cornflakes or toast or muffin or whatever <laughs> than you are having at any later time. Um, uh, sleep in a very cool temperature. If you're in North America, then um, 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit is the perfect temperature. 69 probably because anything less than that's very chilly. But you can rug, your, rug yourself up with a blanket. But yeah. um, cool body temperature has been shown to be most favorable for a great night's sleep. And then um, they did a study or a study came out recently about four weeks ago which said that any light hitting your skin during the nighttime, whether it be from an alarm clock light or the street light um, uh, compromises your body's ability to get into that deep restorative REM phase of sleep. So you right. want black, 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 black room, black room, black everything. If you go to a hotel, have those terrible alarm clocks and the, uh, and, and the uh, air conditioning lights and all those kind of stuff is on, try to pull the alarm clock out of the wall or turn mm -hmm. it upside down or have it facing away or something. Because any light will disrupt your sleep. Yeah. And then um, most people have a racing mind when they go to sleep. I think just generally speaking, living a life of appreciation instead of expectation um, can go a long way to reducing um, stress and anxiety and that racing mind and uh, help you fall asleep a lot quicker also. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I love that. And so I'm curious in terms of timing around sleep. Is it the amount of time we sleep that matters most or is it more so the time we go to bed? So uh, the quality of your sleep is equally important to the duration. And if you are going to have changing times of when you wake up, uh, when you go to sleep or wake up, you're actually better waking up at the same time every day rather than going to sleep 
at the same time and waking up at different hours. Your your internal body clock wants to naturally wants to rise and wake up and rise at the same time every day. This is why people who um, you know get up early Monday through Friday and they have a job, they sleep in on a Saturday or a Sunday, and right. while they think oh that they might be doing a good thing by catching up on some sleep, they're actually messing with their circadian rhythm, and which is why they still feel tired and foggy on a Monday and Tuesday and the work week. So in actual fact, you're better off. Um, waking up at the same time every morning than you are at, um, you know, ensuring that, that you go to sleep at the same, same time. Um, the, the perfect amount of time really has been shown to be anywhere from seven to eight hours. Um, it varies from person to person. There's no definitive, like this is the way it has to be, but generally right. speaking, seven or eight hours is the sweet spot, but not just seven or eight hours, seven, to eight quality hours. And that means don't drink, don't don't drink or eat in three hours before you go to sleep. You want your body to have time to digest the food and the drink and to go to the bathroom. A lot of people drink a lot of water in the last three hours. They're waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. That disrupts their sleep, for example. Right. So these little changes you can make can really go a long way to ensuring you get a really good night's sleep. Awesome. Okay. I love that. And then, I mean, in terms of adults and ages, you know, whether you're youth, middle age, elderly, is there a difference between how much somebody should be getting in terms of how many hours of sleep? Well, you'll notice that the older you get, the less you actually sleep. And the younger you are, the more you sleep. Like babies sleep 20 hours a day sometimes, mm -hmm. don't they? And then as they yep. get, in, you know, they're toddlers, they can sleep, they're sleeping, going to bed at seven, they're waking up at seven for 12 hours. So the natural cycle of, of, of how we live our lives, we tend to sleep less as we age and that's just a natural that's just a natural way of being but right. think about it when we're really growing and we're really we're really feeling amazing and we've got the most energy is when we're sleeping the most right like think of kids yep. how much energy oh, yeah. do kids have i mean they sleep the longest yet when they're up they're like running around and doing crazy things and totally yeah yep i think about my teenage years sleeping until like noon <laughs> When those growth spurts were happening and the hormone changes, it was like, yeah, I was sleeping a lot for sure. Mm. Well, that was really fantastic. Thank you so much for all that amazing knowledge and insights. Tell us more. You've mentioned the 90-day program that you have. So tell us a little bit more about that, where people can learn about that and find you. Yeah. So uh, that particular program, it helps mostly executives, entrepreneurs, uh, investors, um, we, we've curated a group of people, um, like-minded people to go through 90 days together, not drinking. And that's what makes it really effective because people can relate to each other. Yep. Um, if that, uh, you're welcome to, to learn more about that at alcoholfreelifestyle.com. I have a podcast, which is called alcohol free lifestyle, which you can find in, uh, Apple podcasts or on Spotify. There's a YouTube channel, alcohol free lifestyle as well. Um, if you do want to do a 30 day break, just as a, just to kick start it, just to, to see what it feels like, mm -hmm. um, then you can do a 30 day program I have called 30 day, no alcohol challenge, which is at 30 day, no alcohol challenge.com. Having said that, remember 30 days is a good little glimpse of what it feels like, but it won't necessarily create lifelong power over your drinking habits. Right. And then regarding, um, the sleep company, we have, a, a our company is Swanwick sleep. Um, you can go to swanwicksleep.com or on Amazon, you can just type in Swanwick Sleep or Swannies, which is the, the, the name 
that's yeah. our customers affectionately uh, call our, our blue light blocking glasses. And we do have some anti-blue light light bulbs as well um, where you can buy these light bulbs and stick them in your home. It's stripped away almost 100% of the blue light, which it gives a very cool ambient feeling, um, which could be very conducive to a great night's sleep as well. For sure. Yeah, we have like red lights, red light bulbs all over our house and we put dimmers on at night and we're really, really conscious of that. So that's amazing to hear. Well, we'll have all of that in our show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was really great chatting with you. Thank you for having me, Samantha. My pleasure. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. If you would like to connect with James, you can find him on social media at James Swanwick. You can also head on over to alcoholfreelifestyle.com as well as swanwicksleep.com. And if this episode can benefit any of your friends and family, we would greatly appreciate it if you can share it with them. Thanks for being with us today. Have an amazing day. Chat with you next week. Take care.